Today's show is brought to you by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio information and entertainment, offering over 150,000 titles to choose from. Listeners of the NLP View on the Organic View Radio Network can get a free audiobook and a 30-day trial today by signing up at www.audibletrial.com forward slash the organic view. Once again, that's www.audibletrial.com forward slash T-H-E-O-R-G-A-N-I-C-V-I-E-W. Welcome to the NLP View with your host, Donna Blinston. Each week, Donna will explore how the techniques of NLP can help improve your personal and professional life. And now, here's your host, Donna Blinston. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the NLP View radio show. My name is Donna Blinston. On today's show, I am joined by Dr. Mark Agronim, a board-certified adult and geriatric psychiatrist who has served since 1999 as the Medical Director for the Mental Health and Clinical Research at the Miami Jewish Health Systems. On today's show, we're going to discuss his best-selling book, How We Age, A Doctor's Journey into the Heart of Growing Old, exploring a subject which many people are not comfortable talking about. In Dr. Mark Agronim's book, How We Age, Mark discusses the views of people who embrace getting older explaining that aging is not necessarily the final phase of our lives. It is also a period of vitality, freedom and liberation for many people. Neuro-linguistic programming, NLP, is an applied psychology which investigates how the language we use programs our brains. NLP helps individuals to understand how he or she processes the information that comes into their brains and how that creates a simplified version of their experiences. NLP shows how that simplified version, otherwise known as subjective reality, is often fully accepted when it's not necessarily as accurate a reflection of the actual experience. If an individual has experienced old age as a child in a negative way, then they may have predetermined facts of how old age is and from these subjective facts, their view of old age becomes fixed. NLP enables individuals to explore the decisions and limiting beliefs that the person has made around old age. So I'd like to welcome to the show, Dr. Mark Agronim. Hello, Mark. Hello, and thank you so much for the invitation to be here. Oh, you're more than welcome. It's an honor to have you here today. And, well, to start with, I want to personally thank you for writing your book. As a nurse, it, is, it was a heartwarming book to read that offers a more balanced perspective of aging and not a promise of a cure for aging that we often see in many of the books. And the case studies and examples that you use, they really bring your knowledge to life whilst eliciting a belief of mine, which is that our perception of everything maps out our experience. And I think that's one thing that you've shown in your book, um, certainly from my perspective. So it's a, a thank you for me. It's a pleasure to have you today. Sure, and I really appreciate your very kind words. Oh, thank you. Well, before we start, Mark, could you, are you happy with me calling you Mark? That's perfectly fine. Would you mind telling our audience more about yourself and your background? Sure. 
Well, I work as a geriatric psychiatrist, and that means I attend to the mental health of older people. The average age that I treat is actually around 90. Wow. And, and so even when I occasionally have patients come in their 60s and 70s, I tell them that they're, they're kind of like teeny boppers uh, <laughs> compared to most of the people I see. Um, and I, I just I love working with this older population. Uh, I've always uh, loved working and spending time with older individuals. It probably stems from when I was growing up in a, in a small town in the Midwest of the United States in Wisconsin, and I had lots of older aunts and uncles who were just all very colorful, very vibrant individuals. And it was it was always clear to me that uh, as you got older, you gained so much, not just in terms of wisdom and experience, but just on your perspective, on mm. the ability to understand life and understand other people. And so as I uh, went into medical school, I just naturally gravitated towards older individuals and found it to be one of the richest groups to work with. Yes, yeah, I mirror that experience. Certainly spending time. I I love, unfortunately, as I've become more qualified, I've be- moved away more from the older, older patients as far as I've not had that time to be able mm-hmm. to sit with them and listen to their stories and their knowledge. And they've got such a breadth of experience and an open listening ear that's... It- it's got no time limit to them. It's true, and, and, and you really raise a point that I, I, I think drew me into the field, and, and for a lot of individuals, and that's the stories that people have to tell about their mm-hmm. lives, about the history that they've been through. It's one thing to read a book about something or to study history. It's another thing to, to hear someone who was an eyewitness to it. And whether it was a great historical uh, occurrence like someone going through the war or going through the Great Depression, or just even simple things in life. Uh, you, you learn how they dealt with it, how they thought about it, how the world has changed over time, and mm-hmm. it, it gives you a perspective. I mean, one thing that's certainly clear, all of us will get older, mm-hmm. at least most of us, and all of us have the, the potential to really realize some, so many of the strengths that we can gain as we get older. And that's really the perspective I wanted to bring in, not, not only talking about the science in the book, but also talking about the stories, because what it is to be 90 today is very different than what it was like 20 or 30 years ago. And mm-hmm. it will be very different even in 20 or 30 years from now. Uh, mm-hmm. It was interesting, just a study came out recently that actually is seeing, in some respects, lower rates of, of dementia in 90-year-olds, and, and in part probably due to changes in lifestyles, a, a greater recognition of healthier lifestyles. Mm-hmm. And this will only change. It's not that everyone is going to be a, a, an incredibly healthy, vibrant 90-year-old, but at least we know there's the potential for that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really want to learn from people who are there now what, what are the ingredients, uh, not only that I can bring it to my own life, but also to that of, of the individuals I work with. Yes, yeah. And there is, it's, that, it's an opportunity to, to, I guess, make the future generation's life even better. It's true, and I, I really like the word you use, opportunity, because mm-hmm. think about how, how when we think about aging, we often don't think of the word opportunity. We think about decline, decrepitude, disease, and ultimately death. And yeah. sometimes I, I think we get too caught up in that. Now, I will confess as a young person, I like to imagine this golden old age, and it's not always like that. I mean, in fact, as a doctor, the individuals I work work with come to me because they have problems and they Mm -hmm. really are suffering. 
And yet I can see how even in settings like that, people can still have meaning to their lives and enjoy things, and they can get better. And that's really exciting to see someone in their 90s who never had any concept of, of what it meant to be in psychotherapy or they just assume that memory changes or depression is normal for late life. And, and then you, you open a door for them, and they yeah. see that they can really make change. It's yeah. wonderful to see, and it's inspiring as a younger person to see that and realizing that, that there's so much potential that can grow only as we get older. We only have some of those gifts because of age. It's true, and there's that, there's that strength I think that an older person has that I think is often often lacking in um, some of the younger people that I work with. I know the dementia sufferers that I work with, um, they, even when they're in their early stages and they're aware of their um, of their loss of memory, as you've said, mm-hmm. being able to provide them with additional resources and ways, almost like little little tricks of how to remember different things and ways to make life easier to re-empower them I it's think they, very they get, true they get lost in that they've got dementia so they're going to behave in this way these things are going to happen mm-hmm. you're going to this is going to have you're going to have to have this support because you're going to become to the point where you can't wash yourself and different things like that when it's like says who how do we know how fast the dementia is going to develop there's you know there is obvious medical things that exasperate it and infection and things mm-hmm. will make it you know run quicker but on the same note, little things like bigger telephone numbers, um, or a telephone numbers list next to the um, the telephone, a checklist on the on the front door and the back door, things that they can prompt themselves with, that because they've got that more independence and empowerment, they're not they're not facing their struggles and insecurities each day. I think you raised an app, the absolute best analogy. Because when someone is suffering from memory impairment, you have to make adaptations to enable them to live better. You yeah. have to make it, you have to have adaptations in the house, in their lifestyle, in their caregiving, so they can still be as as uh, content. They can still have meaningful lives as, as best as possible, even in the face of cognitive loss. And one thing that we try to do at our center is identify what are the strengths someone still has even as they lose their memory and other skills and how can we uh, leverage those strengths to make a difference. So, for instance, we have a group for early-stage memory disorders. And one thing we recognize is that even when there's memory loss, people still have the capacity for love, Mm -hmm. for affection, for humor, for socializing. And if you focus on activities that really emphasize those, people can enjoy themselves and still do so much within that context. And then if you if you can do that much for someone who has cognitive impairment, think about what we can do for older people who don't have that cognitive impairment. It's just it's a matter of whether our creativity and our will and our and our energy will be put into making those differences for ourselves. Um, I always feel badly when I see someone who is older who really is not engaged in something that they they could love, they could enjoy doing, they could interact with others. And there's so many opportunities out there, even for people who are are more confined physically. Think about this now with with the Internet. You can literally not be able to move and maybe twitch one finger, but you can sit in front of a computer and literally get on the Internet and and sail the world. Yeah. 
But and that's where young people can get involved as volunteers or as just as caregivers or loved ones to help other people interact with with technology to get them involved and then to learn from them. Yes, and there's there is so many gifts that we don't realise that we've got that we can share. Things mm-hmm. that I that's think it's true. it's because we take it for granted. I well, I feel there's so many things that I take for granted. And it's not until I break them down and look at how they could benefit somebody that I'm like, wow, I'm I should be sharing this. This isn't it's not fair for me to keep this. Mm-hmm. Um, in almost you know, it's quite um, a chocking little things like being in a restaurant with um, an elderly person mm-hmm. and maybe um, you know whether they're sat by the window. No, I know being sat by the window usually you've got traffic, so it's a bit noisier. And mm-hmm. stereotypically, somebody who's elderly is going to have less hearing compared with myself. So I potentially could be excluding them from the conversation or parts of it just by where I put them. Or maybe the light coming through the window might shine on the white menu, because the majority of menus are white, that would blur the vision. So they'd be asking somebody to help them with the menu. And little things like that, that without yep. without even no intention on my behalf, are little things that if I just changed those two things at the position of where someone sat, that would transform that person's experience of that meal. It's so true, and it's a wonderful example. And I, the, the, your use of the word trans, your use of the word transform is so key here because it's true. You can take a situation and literally transform it and add so much more meaning and happiness and contentment to interactions, often with very very simple changes. Uh, that's one thing I've really learned working with with older individuals is that sometimes when we see encounter a situation, we feel overwhelmed by uh, whether it's someone can't hear us or they can't move as quickly or they don't seem to be on our same schedule. And yet when we can make some of the adaptations that you just mentioned and slow down a little, suddenly just the whole world can open up. Mm. It does. Think about when most people think about aging, they often reference it to an older loved one in their life. And it's often something very simple that makes all the difference, the, the, the taste of a, of a soup or a cookie that a grandparent used to make or mm. a, single, a single memory. It's often something very, very simple, but yet it's so yeah. powerful. Mm-hmm. And that's when you begin to realize that, uh, you know, we don't have to uh, go to great uh, expense or have some amazing technology or whatnot to have a really meaningful connection with someone who's older. Do you know, with my grandma, it was um, pea and ham soup. She made the most wonderful, well, there's a huge tale behind it, I'll, I'll quickly say. She always made me pea and ham soup, and I loved it. From a child, I'd devour it with loads of hot, um, hot, um, hot cobs that she used to put in the oven, loads of melted butter. And I'd, every time I went, I was craving this pea and ham soup. And as her health deteriorated, and unfortunately she died from cancer, but um, as she as her health deteriorated, she gave me two tins of pea and ham soup that she got from Morrison's, and for all the years, she'd been opening tins and pretending that she'd made it herself. Mm-hmm. So now, whenever I'm in a supermarket and I see pea and ham soup, even mm-hmm. though it doesn't taste the same because it's not being put in my grandma's pans and it's not in my grandma's bowls and it's not in her house with her love and everything else that came comes to it, mm-hmm. but every time I see a tin of pea and ham soup, I get filled with all those emotions. And I'm sure in the same way for her, when she'd be buying them, knowing that there's a little girl that thought that she'd 
spent all morning slaving over a hot pan of pea and ham soup, she'd have had that same joy. That's right. It was it, it was less the ingredients and more her hand and her love that invested it with something so special for you. And it, it's such a powerful memory and something that you can bring to other loved ones in your life as well. Yeah. They can have the same that same powerful memory. I think that that those connections that's the glue that holds our society together. It's those connections between the generations, that feeling of care and love for other people uh, that comes from these these simple but really wonderful experiences. And I just find that they're often heightened in late life and, and uh, heightened when, when you're experiencing that with someone older. Uh, sometimes people ask me, they say, well, you know, the work you do, doesn't it leave you feeling depressed or depleted? And I tell them it's the opposite, that I feel so enlivened by the encounters I have with older individuals um, and, and what they can tell me, what they can teach me that. It's, it's hard to feel depressed uh, when, you're in the, when you're in the presence of, of so many of these elders that we have. Um, there really are just riches there. And we should all remind ourselves as we get older that um, as much as we fear some of the physical changes that are inevitable with aging and we fear some of the losses and, and, and other potential things that can happen, we also have to keep in mind uh, all the opportunities and the richness of understanding that we can gain that can make a difference. And at the end of the day, it can be about giving to others too because that's um, that can trump everything. When someone has meaningful relationships with others, uh, that can turn the tide no matter what they have to face in other parts of their life. Very true, very true. I'm glad you answered that question, because that's one question that has been sent through um, via the social media for this show, was, Mm -hmm. um, do you find it depressing um, working with older people? And that's one thing that I used to hear um, within nursing. Mm -hmm. And another question that um, I have that is also one that you alluded to in your book is, what does it mean to be old? Mm -hmm. Well, these are important points and important questions. So one thing I'd say is, take the model for the first question, Think of, of the model of hospice now. You know, when you work with someone in the hospice, and we know that the end is near for someone. So you could say that's the most depressing situation ever. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a loss, it's sadness, and yet most many people will tell you when they've when they've really attended to someone in the last few days that it can be one of the most beautiful and enriching experiences, even as they're facing a loss. Mm-hmm. And I look at it that you know the individuals I work with come to me with great suffering. But they're not, in, they're not in their actual final days. Many of them still have, have years or longer ahead of them. So if we can bring such uh, comfort and beauty and, and meaning to the last few days of someone's life, what about so much more we can do in the last few years that we have? And I, to me, that's not depressing. That's, that's a wonderful opportunity. It's, you know, this is a, aging is a part of life, and if we are able to embrace it, uh, we can find it's a different experience. Mm. Um, you know, with respect to, you know, the other question of what is what is it to age, you know, there's different ways to define it. You can define it strictly based on the science of aging, and we know that over time our cells uh, in our body are not as efficient, um, whether you're talking about muscle cells or nerve cells. Um, things slow down. Inside our cells we accumulate damage that it's more difficult to repair. So if you measure us in terms of how fast we can run, how quickly our liver breaks down a a toxin, how quickly our kidney strains things, 
you know, if, if that's if you use those measurements, there's no question you're going to see change and decline over time. Mm. My assertion is that that's not all. That's not just the measure of who we are. That you have to look at other more important things like uh, the love you can have for someone, the meaning you can invest in in writing something, engaging in, in some uh, pastime that you enjoy, uh, the time you can spend with someone. That those connections, those pursuits. Uh, you can also define aging by that, and those often get deeper and richer uh, by mm-hmm. virtue of getting mm-hmm. older, not in spite of it. So I let people define for themselves what old age has to be for them, and I listen to them because when we start making assumptions about what it has to be for someone, we are already putting them in, in, a, in a narrow uh, limit mm-hmm. and, and uh, curtailing what it can be. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a really a way of saying that... Um, from what the meaning of aging is for people is what they're going to bring to it, how they are going to define it. And that has innumerable possibilities. Definitely, definitely. And on that, I've um, experienced, I've worked with a, a wonderful gentleman who I see him on a three-monthly basis. And the first time I met him, he just had um, major cardiac surgery um, following um very significant MI and was on intensive care for a long period of time and needed a lot, a lot of support. And he's come to me now post, three months post his major surgery. And when he came in, I always ask, how do they feel about what they've been through? And um, the first thing he said was, it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. And I thought, that's a very interesting answer. That's very interesting. Very interesting. And, so, and I asked him if he could explain more for me. And he said that he had all the time in the world to listen, to watch, to think, and really take stock of life and realize what's actually important to him, which is something that he's never really had time to do. He's mm-hmm. always been running from one thing to the next, and despite his old age, um, I say old age, he's only in his 70s, um, despite his old age, in his words, he felt that um, because he knew he was becoming older, he wanted to go and do a thousand and one things and he, he'd been all over the world in the last seven or eight years and done loads of things and almost like he was ticking off a bucket list of stuff that he had to do. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, where are you up to on your bucket list? And he says, I, I thought I'd finished it, but I've only just started it because now I've done the things that I thought I wanted to do and now I get the joy of doing the things that I really want to do. That's such a wonderful example. That's really wonderful. Mm. Think how inspiring that is. Oh, it made me tingle. It's making me tingle now, remembering his voice. Mm. Because we often often look at youth as the time to explore, to experiment, to try new things. And yet, um, late life can be equally equally if not more than that. Um, A lot of surveys have have actually shown that older individuals have less stress, less worry, and and a greater sense of well-being. And I think it's in part of exactly what you described mm. with this man, that people realize that, hey, if I'm not going to do it now, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to have the chance, so so let's try it. Um, yeah. And that's that's really, if someone said, well, how is, how is old age or how is late life, I hesitate to even use the word old age, but how is late life changing now? I would say um, that many people are finding it a time of trying new things, experimentation, education, really making changes that they always wanted to do and now realize that this is they have the time and the opportunity to do that. Um and I you know we're I think with healthier bodies and minds people will be able to do that. Think think about 
what aging will likely be like in, in 40 to 50 years. Probably mm-hmm. the, the great killers, uh, heart disease, cancer, and Alzheimer's disease, will most likely, if not be cured, they certainly will have very uh, significant treatments for them. And so the average person, when they turn what we consider now to be retirement age of 65, they'll have another good 30 or 40 years ahead of, ahead of time of, of a healthy body and mind, or at least the ability to have that. So think about what what they're going to do in that. That's um, really going to radically change our whole notion of what it means to get old. It is quite exciting, isn't it? It really is very exciting. And, mm. and that's why uh, when I look at the future of old age, I, I find it exciting and and realize that there's so much more that we can do. Um, and that's one thing that is seen throughout your book. Yeah, it that's is. really, I would say if I would distinguish my book from other books on aging, I don't, I don't claim that there's all these pills and lotions and potions that you can take that will transform aging. I think that's false. Mm-hmm. Um, there's certainly healthy lifestyles that we all can do. But, you know, there is no single pill or supplement or anything that people spend so much money on that's, that's going to transform aging. It's really not about that. It, it's, it's about finding meaning and perspective and connection mm-hmm. with with other people. That's really what it's about because I, I see people who come in who are in their 90s who are in perfect health and their minds are perfectly clear, but they're miserable because mm-hmm. they don't have, either they don't have connections with other people, they don't have something that's meaningful for them, they don't have purpose. And I've seen individuals who, uh, on the one hand, have, have great areas of suffering and losses, and yet because they have connection and meaning, it, it's, it's, they're really able to not only adapt, but they're able to thrive. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, you know, we're looking still for this fountain of youth, uh, in a pill or something, and that's not what it's all about. Um, and this is nothing that I've made up or, dis- or discovered. This is something that people have known for centuries, and it's, it's really a true secret of aging that doesn't really cost anything and is always available to us. It is. It's, it's very much all all in the mind. It's mm-hmm. we've got our, we've got our own. We're all in charge of our own behaviors, our own experience, our own decisions that we make. It really is, and and, and the, you know, a lot of people say, well, but what about disability? What about pain as we get older? And that's true, but there, there's so much that we can do about that now, and, and our mm-hmm. technology is getting better. You know, if you're in your 20s and 30s and you have pain or disease, life can be pretty tough and pretty miserable. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the same as you get older. So, a lot of the a lot of the reasons why people fear old age or they suffer are things we can do something about. And, uh, again, I, I point to even in the worst-case scenario, what happens when someone is dying, the hospice model says there's a tremendous amount we can do yes. to relieve pain and suffering and to give meaning and connection with people, even as even in their dying days. Mm-hmm. So we, we simply can't give up ourselves. We, on ourselves, we can't give up on other people. And, um, you know, when you do that, it, it really can, using your word, it can transform uh, what late life is all about. It can, it can. And it's certainly one thing that I'm integrating in, in my practice. I'm continu- continually looking at how we can enable people. Mm-hmm. You know, illnesses can potentially disable people from a physical perspective, but it's only if they allow it to can it disable them mentally. And it's around enabling them to do what they want to do just in a different way. 
It's true. It's true. And we know that we really, we really need each other. We need other people to help us with that because it is very difficult. Mm-hmm. And I, I make no illusions about how challenging it can be for people as they get older. It's really, really tough. Mm-hmm. But that's what I love about my work because I can, on a daily basis, get involved to help people with that and to help them see a new perspective. And in the end, it helps me because mm-hmm. I, I, I realize that I see what people can overcome and cope with and it inspires me and it gives me ideas uh, about how I can change my own life. Um, you know, creativity is not just about painting a picture or, or singing a song. It's about finding new ways to solve problems, to work with uh, across the generations. And when you see someone older being able to engage that, creativity often can deepen uh, with age. Uh, and it's not yeah. necessarily dependent on memory. Sometimes memory gets in the way of being creative because we get yeah. so locked into a certain approach or a certain technique that we fail to see different ways to do something. Um, it's very, very true. Well, Mark, our half an hour has nearly gone. I can't believe it. I could talk to you for hours. I'm you conscious that I really you. want... Oh, thank you. I'm conscious I really want you to share your details and your website and also where people can buy your book from. Sure. Well, again, the book is called How We Age, A Doctor's Journey into the Heart of Growing Old. Um, my website is www is uh, www.markagronin.com, which is M-A-R-C-A-G-R-O-N-I-N. But, you know, if you go to Amazon.com and you just type in How We Age or Agronin, the book will pop up, and that's also an easy way to get it. But a lot of my writings and and articles you can connect on with my website as well. Wonderful. I would welcome any comments from readers or for people visiting to the website. I respond to everyone uh, by email. And it, it's a wonderful book, and all of our audience, a very recommended read. Well, Mark, it's been wonderful having you on the show. A huge thank you for joining me. Thank you and, so much, and, and please continue the wonderful work you do with this show. Oh, thank you, Mark. Thank you. My pleasure. And a big thank you to all of our audience for tuning in today. If you'd like to learn more about NLP, then tune in each week and also visit my website, www.donnablinston.com, where you'll be able to pick up a copy of my best-selling book, Psychobabble, a straightforward, plain English guide to the benefits of NLP. Also visit the theorganicview.com and sign up for our newsletter, which will keep you updated with the up-and-coming shows, guests, and online workshops. You'll also be able connect with us via Facebook at forward slash the NLP view and via Twitter at the NLP view. Once again, thank you for joining me, Mark. And thank you-